0: Thanks for downloading the HistoryHub.ie podcast. In this episode, Professor Jonathan Phillips of Royal Holloway, University of London. He is the author of several books on the Crusades, including Holy Warriors, A Modern History of the Crusades, and The Second Crusade, Extending the Frontiers of Christendom. This episode is part three of a four-part Q&A session with Dr. Edward Coleman of the School of History and Archives, University College Dublin. Here, Professor Phillips discusses the Third Crusade and begins by looking at two of the main players. Richard Leinhardt and Saladin. Yeah, they are the two name recognition individuals involved in it. In part because they were great men, and they both also got people who write about them. They both got uh, in their in their entourages, uh, as you, as your colleague Michael Staunton uh, works on the the English uh, chroniclers. Mm. Um, Richard does have people who write up his his deeds, mm. but beyond that, he gets written up in other narrative histories across Europe. He's the first English king to really make an impact on the international stage, to be reported and written about across Europe. And he's also written about in the Muslim world, because Saladin has several people who are close associates of him who um, write very much, uh, very positively about him. Sometimes you you, you have to be very careful how you approach that material, (laughs) the uh, The rare and excellent deeds of Saladin or something like that, I think one of them's called, so you, you you're getting a heads up as to where it's, where it's coming from and of course, a great man needs a great opponent. you can't it, It's no big deal for me to to as a, as a great warrior to duff up somebody who's hopeless. How heroic is that? It's not. You have to be against a great man to be a great man. but that aside, there is a clear consistency in the narratives that they are both very formidable figures. And how's the historiography viewing them? Well, Richard, I think, um, in the past has been seen very much as a sort of, oh, in the more distant past, a bit of a thug. Um, if we'd have had more time, I'd have asked you what words you associate with Richard the Lionheart, and I suspect you'd have come out with sort of brave, strong, a bit reckless, that kind of thing. I think that the work of John Gillingham as the historian who really has, has transformed this, he has Richard as a great diplomat, He has him as a very, very careful administrator and a very cautious warrior. Richard avoids fighting battles. Um, He's known for his bravery in battle, but the few battles he fights, he's pushed into. He reacts and when he is then forced into battle, yes, he is extremely dangerous, very brave, fights from the front. But most of the time he wants to play a longer game and to um, be very well prepared very well financed, he knows what's gone wrong with previous crusades and he's a very careful strategist and I think that's the side of him that has been ignored by popular perception of him he's, he's the great hero with the great two-handed sword and, and that's the image of him, well yes, when you push him, but there is so much more to him than that Saladin is somebody who perplexes historians and is very much in use in, in the modern Muslim and uh, on, modern Islamic and, and Arab worlds today. In the last 10 years, you'll find three academic biographies about Saladin. Uh, his statue put up in the 1990s outside the citadel of Damascus, Saddam Hussein uh, invoked his, his name a lot. Osama bin Laden, uh, Islamist, oh, invoked his name a lot. And in fact, the, the head of the CIA chasing bin Laden said, oh, you know, the way that Bin Laden sort of shares his struggles with his people, his troops. He's almost as if he's a modern day Saladin. That's coming from the head of the CIA unit chasing him. Um, He is the subject of, he was the subject of a major musical in Damascus uh, in 2009, which I was lucky enough (laughs) to see. Uh, A musical in Baalbek in 2011, complete with AK-47s and live horses. And uh, he's the subject of a, a kids' cartoon, a 22-part children's cartoon, produced by Al Jazeera and Malaysian Television. You can find it on the web. It's, it's it's a and he's an example for young kids to live their life. You know, his his um, honesty, his generosity, and his his sense of honour are examples for us all. Yeah, you know, this guy died in 1193. This is pretty intensive use of him in in modern world and I could give you many more examples but what motivated Saladin is the the key question that sort of underlies um, Eddie's point to me and and how has he been viewed there was a man called Aaron Kreutz who wrote in the 70s I think who really was quite cynical about him and said that he was simply an empire builder he feathered the nest of his own dynasty he usurped his patron uh, this man Nuruddin who I mentioned and uh, when Nur ad-Din died, brushed his successors aside and looked after himself you can also see him as, as or, or do you take all of Saladin's propaganda and you have him as a, as a jihad warrior a selfless warrior for Islam and without wishing to sound like I'm sitting on the fence uh, I think both of those are true and I don't think it's in fact a relevant question to ask whether he was one or the other In fact, it's it's entirely the wrong question to ask. He was both, because in the context of the time, I don't think you can divide them off. If you are going to be a powerful figure, you do use your family to um, boost your authority. That is what happens in, in, in the Near East. That is the way that those societies work. Is Saladin a sincere Muslim, and he wants to regain Jerusalem, the third most important city for the Islamic faith? for his people yes absolutely does he use the jihad as a way of pulling together a confederation of the near east yes he does he spends a lot of time fighting Muslims with the aim of then removing the crusaders from the holy land and I don't think he 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 is criticized from time to time by his people for fighting Muslims too often but he uh, does in a sense fulfill his aims and remove the crusaders from from Jerusalem, rid the Franks from Jerusalem, and he does ultimately fend off the Third Crusade. For all Richard the Lionheart's bravery and, and the, the mass size of the Third Crusade and the military defeats that he suffers, he's not a very good general, frankly. He they went home, didn't they? And I've still got Jerusalem. I think that's that's the way um, you should view him. I, th- I think he he is a creature of his time, and he is. Very pragmatic. He's a gifted diplomat. That is his great strength: is is pulling people together, and bringing them together under one cause. And he uses, and we use this sounds a loaded term, doesn't it? He he engages with all the elements of jihad and dynastic power building that you that are open to him.